Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Shogo Garcia. Shogo is the founder of The Social Generation. He's a dating coach, writer, and speaker that guides men towards developing natural, attractive personalities through personal awareness and confident self-expression. Shogo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, some of the things that you do? Sure. Well, um, I'm trained as a lawyer. I'm educated as a lawyer, and I, I spent a very short amount of time, I had a very short stint uh, working for a law firm, which I absolutely hated. And, uh, and that's kind of when I jumped into this entire world, the same world that you're in, if you want to call it personal development, if you want to call it um, uh, self-help, of course, dating advice. Can you talk to me a little bit about your, your coaching style and some of the things that you focus on when you're interacting with a client? Sure. Well, um, you know, most of it is, I think and you probably get this as well. Um, you have to relate to people, whether it's your clients or whether it's people you're talking to, whether it's, it's uh, new people you meet or strangers you're talking to, you kind of have to get into somebody's head. You have to kind of relate to them. I guess it's a sense of empathy or compassion that you have to have. And um, this is something that I really didn't get fully. I didn't really get it conceptually. Um, until, like I said, I was a, I was a lawyer, and I, you know, I'd gone through, oh, I'd gone through all my ups and downs. You know, in high school, I was pretty terrible with with girls. I, I was okay. I had a, I had a girlfriend. I had a very cute girlfriend in high school, and so I knew I had something, right? But I wasn't like I wasn't amazing or anything, and my social skills weren't exactly incredible. I didn't really give it too much thought. And I went to college. I went to college in New York. I went to NYU, and um, that's where things kind of picked up, and I started um, getting a lot more dates. I was, um, hooking up with a lot more girls. I had more girlfriends. It kind of became slowly and slowly became a, a lot easier, but I still hadn't really hammered it down and figured out what was, what was really going on with that. And I was bartending in New York city for about, about four years and loving life. I really, really liked it and for some, for whatever reason. Um, you know, whether it was talking to my friends or seeing what my friends from college were doing. And I was 25 at this point. Um, talking to my mom, you know, having my, uh, you know, bi-weekly calls, you know, once a, a call once every few weeks with my mom and she'd nag me saying, you know, can't be a bartender forever. What do you do with your life? What do you do with your life? Of course, I love my bartending life, but um, I said, all right, mom, I'll, you know, I'll apply for law school. And the reason I went to law school was because it looked good on paper. You know, I thought that um, it was stability. It gave me job stability. It gave me an income. It was, um, you know, having that great resume would get me the right girls, you know, or get me the right girlfriend. And being a student was great, but then once I got out of it, I, I was, you know, I was working in this law firm. I was in this office, and I'm sure anybody listening to this right now who um, is living, leading a nine to five life, a nine to five job, who doesn't really isn't really inspired by what they do, isn't really motivated by what they do, can understand this. That it was kind of sucking the life out of me, and I was in this office, and being a lawyer, you kind of overworked. So it was like nine a.m. to about eight eight p.m. every day, maybe seven p.m. And all I really did was work. And I went home, drank like a bottle of wine, smoked a half a pack of cigarettes every night just to like unwind, you know, from the day. And I started losing all of that, you know, natural charm that I had, natural charisma, ability to talk to people, ability to meet women, all that stuff that kind of I just developed naturally over time. I started losing that. And I remember standing in a bar, I must have been 29 years old, 28 years old. And uh, I saw this girl at the other end of the bar. And I was and I was like, I just want to go talk to that girl over there. And I remember standing there holding my beer, you know, how you, you know how you're in a bar and you stand there with your beer in your hand looking around, right? And I wanted to go talk to this girl at the other end of the bar. And I had there were two girls sitting there. I was like, I had nothing to say. 
was like, I have nothing to say to these girls. I have nothing to share about myself whatsoever. And I couldn't figure out why. And, you know, looking back on it now, it's because I didn't believe in myself. You know, I didn't believe in what I was doing. I didn't believe that I was heading in a direction. You know, I didn't have a direction or focus that I was heading in. I couldn't be proud of the things that I was doing. All I had was this resume. I looked really good on paper. You know, went to the gym and tried to wear nice clothes and all the stuff, getting all my physical looks, you know, the, the physical aspect of everything all together, all that stuff. But uh, it didn't do me any good at all because I couldn't go up and talk to these two girls over there. And it's because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in what I was doing. Um, and then the second, and then I quit law. I was only there for a few months and I quit law. And um, as soon as I quit, it all came back to me right away. Um, so it was pretty clear. All that, that entire world opened back up to me and all the inspiration flooded back in. And I felt like I had all my power back. You know, I had grounding again. It was kind of like I was, felt like I wasn't having to struggle trying to make things happen, trying to keep a conversation moving, coming up with the right things to say. But it was all happening naturally. It was, it was taking care of it for me by itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. It sounds like you, you tie a lot of kind of your ability to connect with other people to how you feel about the things that you're doing. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the key. That's everything. Because you can, you, know, you can sit and you can train yourself to figure out the right things to say, to manufacture a con- not even ma- manufacture a conversation because you know, these days um, the world of dating advice is moving into a more non-manipulative direction. But it, nonetheless, it's still an attempt to try to control the future, to try to control the unknown. And I don't think you can ever do that. You can't really – I mean you can do it. It's just, it's just a struggle. And it just takes – it's exhausting and it takes a ton of energy. I think we can snap out of that and just fall back into who you are right now regardless of what you're going to do or what you're going to say or trying to figure out what's going to happen in the future. Just look at where you're at right now and enjoy yourself. Enjoy who you are. Enjoy what you're doing. Feel inspired and empowered by what you're doing. That's all you need. Somebody's kind of listening to this and they're like, okay, this is great but I still don't know what to talk about. I still don't know what to say. I'm still the guy holding the, the beer, looking at the girl across the bar and I'm not in law school. I have a job that – Let's say he works in finance or he works as a consultant or he's like, I can't quit my job and do something else because I, I got to pay my car car bill. Or I got to pay my apartment bill. What, what do you tell to a person uh, like that? Well, you know, there, there are certain things that we do that we have to do. I think if we – people listening to this podcast right now are at a point where they're actually starting to gain a certain level of self-awareness. They're starting to actually look at their lives. And we are at a point where we're actually evaluating what we're doing. We're looking at what we're doing and we're trying to find a direction that we're going to go into that we can be proud of. Now, once, especially if you're in something like finance or if you're something like in law, which is what I was involved in, you're basically deeply entrenched financially, um, professionally, and everything else. In um, you're basically stuck in that position for a while, especially if you're financing a house, financing a car, you have an apartment that's you know $2,500 a month, which if you're in New York City can be that high. It's fine. You can continue to do all those things. You don't have to drop everything at the drop. You know, you have to drop everything and say, "What inspires me now? What can I go do?" Uh, and and you know, head bravely and only in that direction. Not at all. But what I think um, a, a good, great first step to do is to start looking at where you're at and the things that you're doing, and those things that you can't change, don't change them. It's fine. We can get to that in a second. Just keep doing the things that you have to do. But the things that you can change, the things that you do have control over. Start changing those things. Start doing things that you actually enjoy. So if you're in a bar, you know, if you're the guy in the bar holding the beer, you know, holding that bottle of beer and looking around and not knowing what to say to the girls at the bar and you want to meet women and you can't do it in a bar situation, before trying to figure out how to do it in a bar, ask yourself why you're even in a bar in the first place. Because um, I think there's some great guys who are great in bars. I'm, I'm really good in a bar. Um, I personally these days, I don't really like going to bars anymore because that's just where I'm at in life. But sure, could I do it? Absolutely. And I've been, had great times in bars. But some people just aren't cut out for that. Um, or some people are just not right for who they are, not right for their personality. It's not, they're not, it's not what they're interested in. A lot of times we go to bars because we want to meet women, you know, and 
if that's all you're going to a bar for, I got to tell you, that's a terrible reason to go to a bar. Um, the reason I can say that I'm good in a bar is because I've bartended for so many years and it's kind of like my home turf. But these days I'm starting to look at it and say, you know what, it's not really my scene. I kind of like a quieter bar, I kind of like a music venue, restaurant, those kind of places for the evening. But if it's those first tiny steps. If you're going to bars and, it, it, and that's the only place you're going to, reevaluate that because um, the, the typical week, the typical work week that I think most guys go through who are working a regular, quote unquote, regular job is you wake up, you uh, Monday morning and you do your thing, eight, eight, you know, you wake up 7 a.m., you brush your teeth, I'll do that stuff, you eat your breakfast, you go to work, Monday night you come home, maybe Monday is your sports day, maybe Monday is your workout day, right? And then you do that. And then you watch TV for a couple hours and then you jerk off and you go to bed. And then Tuesday you wake up, you do the whole thing all over again. And then by the time Friday comes along, uh, now suddenly it's Friday night, 10 p.m., you've been working through the week, stressed out or not being inspired whatsoever about what you're doing, but somehow you, you think that you have to turn on this magic charisma, then now it's 10 p.m. And from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., you have to be like, just turn on every single woman who's out there, but you don't have any, it's not even a matter of practice, you have nothing to back yourself up because you haven't done anything to actually work on, your, work on yourself, work on your core, to work on who you are as a person. So uh, that is something to, to look at first and foremost. One, are you why are you in the bar? Is it because you actually like being in a bar? Because you actually like hanging out in a bar? Or is it to meet women? Because I'll tell you, there's plenty of places out there to meet women that's not in a bar. And to get this inspiration in life that I'm talking about, you don't have to quit your job. But what you do have to do is start doing things every single day when you can actually stop and think, okay, am I, if I'm going to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday to get myself pumped up so I can look good to the girls, do I even like going to the gym or am I just doing it for the women? Am I going to bar Friday and Saturday night, that little square, little block that we cut out from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m.? That's the only time we talk to women. Why is that the only time we talk to women? You just women all over the place. Every single day you can go out and talk to women. Um, so really ask yourself, are you hanging out in the places when it is when you are on your off time that you actually enjoy doing, that you're inspired by that? When you do go out to the bars or wherever it is to be so socialized that you can actually talk about uh, what you're doing. You can actually find enjoyment in the conversations that you're having. You're actually inspired by what it is you do in terms of enriching your own life every single day that when you show up and talk to somebody and share who you are and find out who that other person is, you can actually engage in a conversation instead of trying to fish and think, wow, what could I possibly say? Because we look back at our uh, nine to five lives on Monday to Friday and it's like an empty box. There's nothing to say. We have shitty jobs and it's fine. You have a shitty job, that's fine. But you have plenty of free time to do other stuff. I think that's great advice. It actually made me think of, you were talking earlier about, or you asked me about how I got into this stuff. And at the time I was trying to learn this stuff, it was really 2007, 2008. And there was a huge movement towards trying to memorize like uh, memorize routines, memorize, uh, people refer to them as like gambits, whatever you memorize all these things. And you had to use whatever these gurus were using in order to be good with women. And and at the time I was trying to remember this stuff. I remember buying like books on like palm reading and like I never really quite figured it out. But one of the things when I actually started getting better, I had a huge amount of diverse interests and things that I was passionate about. Like in the previous year prior to trying to get into dating pickup. I had worked on a presidential campaign. I had tried to start a company. I, I was in the a process of moving to Columbia. I, had, I was going to school full time. I had just uh, in the year before got my real estate broker's license. I had gone through a leadership fellowship. I was working with children with autism. I was doing um, things with United Way, whatever. I was doing all these different things. I was following my personal interests and they were leading me in all kinds of different directions. And as a consequence of that, when I actually started going out and doing this stuff, like I just had things to talk about and I, I didn't have to worry about it. And what I realized was a lot of that stuff was so unnecessary if a person focuses on themselves and they focus on the things that they're passionate about, exactly what you're saying, that you will have content to talk about. It's just 
it will come organically, especially if you're passionate about the things that you're doing. So I think that's really great, great kind of advice. If somebody is listening to this and they are trying to figure out, I mean, you talked about asking yourself whether or not you're passionate about the things that you're involved in. But if somebody realizes, hey, I'm not passionate about the things that I'm involved in or the things that I'm doing now, but I need to shift my life in a different direction. What are the first steps they should take? Well, yeah, that's funny you say the thing that you're passionate about. I mean, I don't think that we have to sit. Uh, I have heard this before that uh, if you don't know what you're passionate about, sit and meditate and it'll, it'll come to you. If you want to find your deepest purpose, I think that, that's one of the latest trends, at least. My biggest network's out on the West Coast. And on the West Coast, they're into the more spiritual thing. And, and it's all about finding your deepest purpose. And if you can't find it, then you sit and you'll find your deepest life purpose. And once you do, then suddenly you'll, you know, you'll skyrocket into success. Well, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of times, we don't have a deepest purpose. I really believe that. Or we have many, many purposes, many interests. So follow those tiny interests. You don't have to find the greatest thing ever. But it's kind of one of those, what I was talking about in the beginning, Chris, is if you're going to the gym and working out and you realize, shit, I've been doing this because I thought I had to do this. Or I've been doing this because I'm trying to attract women, not because I actually like going to the gym. Well, stop going to the gym. And I'm serious about that. Or go less. I can tell you how many clients I have who are at the gym and I've gotten them to stop going to the gym and start doing more fun stuff, start doing sports that they enjoy, start taking yoga classes. I mean, something like that is, it can, can change, it can change your life. It really can. Just something small like that because it opens up other doors and opens up other interests for you. Like you said, you know, you are, you were involved in political campaigns. You've lived on the West Coast. You've lived on the East Coast, Chris. You know, you um, were involved in the United Way and with children with autism. I mean, those are all things that you can have amazing conversations about, but they're all tiny little different things. If we meet people, and um, in order to connect with any random person, um, we're not always going to be 100% aligned on everything that we do. We're not always going to agree 100% on everything we do. And we don't have to. Um, really, I think what it boils down to is being interested in the person who you're talking to. I, it's not even necessarily that you have to have something in common with that person. I think a lot of the times, I mean, even um, girlfriends that I've had, um, some of my best relationships have been girls who I actually don't have that much in common with. But we connect with each other on a higher level. We connect with each other as people, not necessarily in things that we do, but who we are as people. So I say the most important thing, at least to always keep your head in the direction of who is this person that I'm talking to? If she's sharing something with you, um, why is she sharing that with me? What does that say about her as a person? If I'm saying something to her, what is that saying about me as a person? Um, and if we can connect with each other on that level, the relationships and the connection that we have is are, are, are so much stronger. What you were saying about learning routines and um, that's funny you use the word gambits because gambit is a, is a chess term. Yeah, and it's, it's like a chess, it's a chess opening. So if we treat our conversations like a chess game, I actually have a video on this on my YouTube channel. If we treat our conversations like a chess game, um, what we're doing is we're creating a distance between us and the other person. We're basically put this kind of chess board right in front of us. I'm saying I'm black and you're, red, or you're white and we, uh, we're making different little moves and we're trying to win the chess game. There's nothing to win. All that we do when we try to put that there and try to fabricate out how to have a conversation as if it's a battle between two people or even if it's um, trying to get somewhere as if the conversation is trying to head into a certain predestined destination. All that we're doing with that is creating more distance with the person that we're talking to. So I say forget about winning and losing. Forget about trying, to trying, trying, trying to make a connection, trying to um, express who you are as a person, trying to share certain things that you have in the back of your head. Just let that, leave, forget all that shit. Leave all of that behind and just enjoy yourself right now, right in this moment. Enjoy the conversation that you're having. Enjoy connecting with the other person, regardless of where it leads. Where it leads doesn't matter. This could be someone you're never going to talk to again. It could be somebody who turns into your friend. It could be your girlfriend. It could be a one-night stand. It could be someone you never talk to again. It doesn't matter. But as long as you're playing, 
You're just playing to play. Don't play to win. Just play to play. I mean, you're playing to play. The whole game changes. It made me think of actually a, a story. Years ago, I was probably three years ago, four years ago, I was listening to another dating coach speak and like a fairly big dating coach in New York City. And he said something which I thought was at the time was most of the, one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard. He said that anytime you're in, an inner, you're in a conversation and you don't like the way that's going or you don't feel like you know a lot about it, just change the conversation back to anything that you want to talk about that you feel most comfortable. And I thought to myself as he said this, every single person I know who is an incredible conversationalist has the ability to connect other people, to ask questions and listen and get them to open up. And it's a consistent theme of every single person I've ever met who's a great conversationalist. They tend to listen twice as much as they talk. Uh, you're, I mean, I think you're right on point with that. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a desire to control the conversation that we're in or a desire to keep, you know, keeping the ball in your court is one thing, but it's a de desire to keep the conversation controlled in a way that you know it's going to happen in the way that you are always keeping the power. Because if you continue to do that, if you continue to go into every conversation only wanting to talk about the things that you, can, that you know things about or only wanting to talk about things that you know you're going to have some control in the conversation, you're not going to be able to connect with people other than the people who are 100% interested in everything that you're talking about. We have to let go of that. We have to let go of the desire to control and the desire for power in the conversation. Just let go of it entirely. When you let go of it entirely, it's, um, there's this sense of striving, I think, that we have. Striving to control the unknown. And we spend all this effort, all of this emotional effort, all this mental straining, trying to predict the future, trying to get somebody to, you know, trying to get the woman that we're talking to to like us, trying to say, how can I have this, how can I turn this conversation into a date? How can, can I turn this conversation into blah, blah, blah? How can I connect deeper in this conversation? How can, how can I seduce this woman in this moment? Blah, 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 all that stuff. And with all that effort, all that trying, we're expending so much energy, tons and tons and tons of energy is flying out the window in an effort to control what is essentially uncontrollable. Let go of that. You let go of that entirely, all of that striving, you start to realize all of your brain power, all of who you are, all of your natural charm, all your natural charisma starts opening up. It starts coming to you instead of you trying to control it. It comes to you kind of like from the bottom up. It's, it's power, but it's, an, it's a very different kind of power. It's a power. It's a natural grounding power that you have where nothing can shake you um, because the power is naturally coming to you kind of, I don't know how to really describe it, kind of from the ground up instead of you trying to exert your own force from yourself outward. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm curious, you have, have you ever uh, sat through or participated in a Meisner acting class? No, no, I haven't. What is that? Meisner, he was a teacher uh, in New York City. Uh, he passed away, I'm going to guess, like 15 years ago. But he used to do this exercise, and it's become very famous. He worked with some of the biggest actors of kind of our time. And he would have two people stand across from each other, and they would basically stare at each other. And someone would say something like an observation. For example, you're wearing a pink shirt. And the girl would say, or a guy would say, I'm wearing a pink shirt. And the person would say, you're wearing a pink shirt. And they'd say, I'm wearing a pink shirt. They'd say, you're wearing a pink shirt. And they'd say, I'm wearing a pink shirt. And they would just repeat this over and over and over. And the idea was that since they didn't have to think about what to say, you could start to focus on your voice, changes in rate of speech, uh, changes in tonality, shifts in movement, body language, breathing. And, and obviously the, the exercise evolves, but if you're a student in Meisner, you might spend weeks or months just doing what I just described. And there's people who complain, oh, it's too tedious. But the idea is to chip away at some of these things we build up. And I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. So recently I was coaching a guy in New York City and um, wonderful guy, but when he goes into interactions, he's going up, going in with these expectations, right? The other day he asked me a question. He's like, 
why can't I just qualify people when I enter the interaction? And I said, do you know what it means to qualify somebody when you enter the interaction? And he said, no. And then he brought it up the next week again. And so essentially what he wants to do is he wants to come in exactly the way that you're describing. He wants to come in with a specific outcome or purpose. And we all do. You see a woman that you're attracted to, you're like, hey, I want to knock boots. But in his case, he's entering the interactions and he has these predetermined outcome that he wants and he's not allowing any room for kind of back and forth. Like if, if he doesn't feel like it's going the way that he wants it to go in the first 20 seconds, he wants to leave. It's the opposite of what you're describing. The reason why I brought up Meisner, um, because in addition to going in with these predetermined expectations that, that he's basing his next sort of decisions, he's also built up a series of behaviors, the way he winks, the way that he moves. And, and you could see that he's probably picked these up out of people that he respects or he admires and he's pasted them together like into like this kind of pasted together personality. And the reason why some of the stuff is amusing and kind of cute and, and the right girl is going to be into it. But the problem is he is completely disconnected from his conversations when he's interacting uh, or he's approaching women when he's interacting with people. And that's why he one of the reasons he's having to, to leave or he's choosing to leave from these interactions so quickly because he doesn't know he goes in. And he's like, why am I not connecting with these people? And he's not connecting with them because one, he has these really set uh, expectations and particular time frame, And then he has this set of behaviors that he's hoping that they'll respond to. And and what Meisner does, it kind of unwinds a lot, a lot of that. But it's also completely consistent with the things that you're talking about. Does this make sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, he has a tendency to create I think we all do in a certain sense. I mean, we're, we're social beings, and we, but some of us lay it on a lot thicker than others. But the more that we lay that, that thickness on, it's, it's a layer. It's a layer that, that we're superimposing on top of our own personalities or that we're putting in between a conversation with somebody else. So we're actually creating a barrier to intimacy as opposed to actually opening up to intimacy. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I felt like I mean, the things that you're talking about, it made me think of this guy. So if somebody's listening and they find that they're in that situation or someone's giving them feedback that they're kind of doing things like this. And you're right. We all do this to a certain extent. What type of recommendations would you make for them? I would say, okay, so the first thing, especially the our hypothetical guy that we're talking about, and this is like, I think I said this in the beginning, this is all things that I can absolutely relate to in my own mind and my own life and all that stuff. So like I get it. I really get it on a real heart level. Um, first and foremost, I'm working with a guy that sounds kind of similar, actually a couple of guys, that sounds kind of similar to what you're talking about uh, with, with your client. And uh, my client treats everything without knowing it, treats it like a chore, like it's a job. And he already has a job, <laughs> you know, so it's like you're taking on two jobs and then he's got coaching for me and he's treating that like a job. And we, we, we tend to put so much pressure on ourselves, so, 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 so much pressure to get things right. And we, we put that pressure on ourselves. It's no longer fun. Like just before getting into any specifics, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be a good time. When you're going and you're socializing, you're meeting people, this is your free time. This is your social time. Don't treat it like a job. Don't focus on the, I say, don't focus on the number of people that you actually have a great connection with. And, you know, I, I, I give coaching lessons and I, I'm sorry, coaching um, assignments. And I say, go out and, you know, connect with three people on blah, 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 whatever our, whatever our topic is that we're working on. But I all say, do this with three different people. But at the end of the day, if you make it with, if you have a great conversation with three people or with one person or with no people, because maybe you're feeling shitty that day, you're feeling shy that day, 
don't beat yourself up over it. It's absolutely fine because one day you'll get up and you'll have a great conversation with five people. Um, but first and foremost, let go of having to treat this like a chore. We kind of think that we have to do this and we have to do that. If we learn a lesson um, in, in a coaching session that, oh, we have to employ this exactly correctly. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do any. You don't have to do anything. You really, you could go sit in a corner by yourself and not do a single thing. You don't have to do this. Now, if you have kids, you know, you have obligations to be your kids. If you have a, a wife, which I'm sure most of the people listening to this do not, you have certain obligations to certain people. If your parents are sick, maybe you have to take care of them, all those things. If you have a mortgage to pay. But from, in social situations, this is your social life. This isn't a job. This isn't a chore. This isn't an obligation. So please, don't treat um, what you're doing as an obligation. Treat this as, as expanding who you are as a person, as expanding your personality, as, as, as a way, a means um, a, an avenue towards finding true enjoyment in your life and try, finding true enjoyment in who you are and what you're doing in every single moment. And I'm hoping that hit a few people that it's, you just, you can release all that. You can release all that need. And if you feel, really feel that and get that sensation of just exhale and just say, oh God, I don't have to do this. I don't have to succeed. I don't have to go out and talk to five women today. It's Friday night. I don't have to go out. You don't have to do a single thing. If you want to, you can choose to. And if you choose to, do it because you want to do it. You see, and that's a completely different approach. And I think when we can take that approach, the mind eases and the mind kind of opens up a lot. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. So what are some other recommendations you have? Somebody goes out and let's say that, that they have made the decision that this is something they want to do and that they want to approach that girl across the bar and, and they actually go up and do it. What are some recommendations that you have for making things go well? So one thing that I say, um, this is actually when you were talking about Meisner, the Meisner exercise of repeating, somebody says something that they're feeling in the moment and then you repeat that back and you repeat that back and you repeat that back. Um, it, is it cuts away not only the layers of what we've, kind of prefabricated our own personalities to be, but also the layers of worrying about what the last thing was that we said, how we came across, and worrying about what the next thing is that we're going to say. And this is something that I talk about a lot, is this idea of presence, of being present. Um, and I think more than anything, for each person, this is all going to be, it's going to be so different for every single person. So I, I like to stay away from giving very rigid assignments until I actually talk to somebody. But this is something I think that can apply to everybody. It's um, being able to just be there, to just be here. Um, I've heard that in a lot of my talks that I, it reminds them a lot of the, what's his name, The Power of Now. Yeah, I, haven't, I actually haven't read his book yet, but it, it's, on my, it's on my list. But one thing that I say um, is to, in order to be present, uh, is an exercise that I give. 
and follow along with this if you can. Um, what I say is put yourself in a situation with talking to a cute girl over there. And she says, uh, you go up and you, and, you, and you say hi. And the first thing that you do, of course, is you wonder about the next thing that you're going to say. Right? So you say, okay, you have your little opening, you have your opening line, or maybe you don't have an opening line, which is even better. And you say, hey, I wanted to come meet you, I wanted to talk to you, I think you're cute, whatever it is that you want to say. But inevitably, as we are as people, and a lot of guys listening to this are perfectionists and are, have this kind of like internal dialogue, inner anxiety going on. So no matter what it is that she says back to you, you kind of have to have the next line in the pipeline. You, know, you have to have the next line loaded up in your gun to, to shoot out so um, you don't run into an awkward moment of silence, which is a whole other thing. So you, know, you go up and you say, you know, hi, hi, my name's Chris. She says, hi, Chris. Um, blah, blah, blah. My name's Mary. Same well, Mary. Um, tell me about yourself. So she says, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a pediatrician. So <laughs> the first thing you think is, oh God, okay, what can I say about pediatricians? How can I connect with this person? What do I know about pediatricians? Who do is anybody a pediatrician in my family? Oh my God! So you're sitting, thinking, 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 and by all this thinking, wondering what it is that you can say to connect to this person, you're actually missing everything that's happening right now. You're missing if she can continue to be talking, asking you about you, but you're thinking about how you can connect about being a pediatrician. So she, she's talking to you about the weather, and then you're still stuck on pediatrician, saying, oh my god, my, my mom was a pediatrician before, uh, <laughs> before she had me as a, you know, before she had me. So that's future thinking, right? That's kind of thinking in the future. When you're thinking in the future, you're kind of projecting your mind into something that has never actually occurred, and you're missing everything that's happening right now, right? So let's say you've done that. That's future thinking. Now there's the other thing that we get stuck in. And this other thing we get stuck in is called past thinking. And past thinking is you're in the same conversation, say, with this woman. She says, I'm a pediatrician or whatever she says. I'm a school teacher. They say, okay, what well, can I school teacher? Oh, my, I, uh, my mom was a school teacher back in, uh, uh, back in 95. My mom used to be a history teacher. And then you think you've, you've said it. Good. Now you've actually said something related to what she said. That's good. But now you're. But now you think, oh God! Now I said my mom was a history teacher. Is that even related to what she's doing? That's dumb. I can't believe I said that. My mom was a history teacher. Oh my God! So the anxiety is going off in your head, right? The, thinking about something that was already passed. Something that's already. You've already said it. It's like you can't let go of the thing that you've said. But we, our heads get stuck in this thing, and that's being stuck in a past occurrence. And at no point in time, whether projecting into the future, worrying about the next thing to say. Or whether we've said something and, we, and, and we're stuck on how dumb it was, whatever that thing is that we said, um, thinking in the past, at no point ever are we present right now to connect with the person that we're talking to. Okay? So I think that this is caused by essentially being stuck in a certain understanding of time, being stuck in a linear way of thinking, a, a linear temporal way of thinking. Um, and that is to say that, um, I guess if you're a scientific mind, you say, well, time itself, existence itself was created by what we would call the Big Bang right now, right? So the Big Bang was that four and a half billion years ago. I don't know what it is, 40 billion years ago, something like that. There was a very small amount of mass that exploded and started expanding at an extremely rapid pace and created uh, the universe, essentially, right? But the immediate problem with that, and that was the beginning of time. That was kind of like if you're, on a, if you're, on, if you're running a race, if you're running a marathon, that was the start. And at some point, it's going to end. Um, well, they say, okay, well, how's it going to end? Well, they say, okay, well, after the expansion of the universe, there's going to be a contraction of the universe. But the immediate problem we run into is that we say, okay, if the Big Bang was the beginning of the universe, then what was there before the Big Bang? That's a problem. Because, we're, because time itself, this linear way of, uh, of thinking about time, is um, not a complete picture. It's just, um, it, it's, it just a, it's a way of measuring things. And we say, okay, um, after the Big Bang, after the expansion of the universe, there's going to be a contraction. Well, what's going to be after the contraction? We can't really... We cannot get a grasp on what the totality of existence is. Um, and this may be, I, and there's creation stories, of course, right? There's the biblical creation story. God created the earth in seven days, six days, and the seventh day he rested. Um, but the question is, well, what, 
was there before God created the earth? It's the same question all over again. So it's important, very, very important when thinking about this to understand that time itself, our understanding of time, is simply a way of measuring the changing nature of things. Now, the world is going to be changing constantly. We're in a constant state of change, always, this moment. This conversation that we're having right now, Chris, we didn't know where it was going to end up before we started it. Because it's constantly, constantly changing. So instead, what I like to get into is a different model of thinking of not necessarily time. It is time, but thinking of the way that things change, including any conversation that you're having in any moment with any person. And this is kind of a, um, it's more of an Eastern model. So you picture yourself, no beginning in time, no end in time. And instead of this, just imagine that the world is simply the way it is. The world never began and the world's never going to end because the world always has been and it always will be. It simply is. So you were sitting in this puddle, let's say a puddle of water, crystal clear water. It's a perfect reflection. You can see the sky um, in all directions. You're sitting in the middle of this kind of lake or puddle or whatever. And with every movement that you make, you create a little ripple of waves in this puddle. And you kind of agitate that reflection a little bit. And you see that with every ripple that you create, it's creating a little bit of a wake. And those ripples slowly, 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 slowly start fading away from you, right? Slowly fading away from you in all directions. No beginning and no end. Simply in all directions, these ripples are moving away from you, moving away from where you are right now. Now that is every action that you ever take, everything that you ever say is you moving in the puddle, in, in your pool of water right now. So every time you move, you create an agitation in the water. And it gently moves away from you. Every single one of those ripples, See, that is you creating an agitation in uh, the changing universe right now. It's slowly moving away from you. Watch that little ripple move slowly, 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 away and away and away. That is your memory of what happened. You see, we tend to think of past actions as dictating, um, as pushing us forward, as moving us in a certain direction. But that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is this puddle model, that everything that you do, you have a choice to do whatever you want to do. When you do that, the ripple slowly moves away from you. So you see, the past doesn't push you forward. The past, uh, you have an action happening right now, and that action trails away slowly and slowly and slowly. So the past actually moves away from you right now. So all there really is is the present moment. All there really is is this right now. There's no such thing as the future because the future is, is your projection of an event that's never occurred. All there is is the center, is you standing in the center right now. That's your life. So every time you make a statement, you say something. Let's say you say, um, you know, my... Oh, my mom was a history teacher back in 1998. And you say, oh, God, that was such a dumb thing to say. I can't believe I said that. Forget about it. You let go of it because you said it. And you're concentrating on this ripple that's moving away. And that wake is moving away, away, away. It's slowly, slowly fading away off into the distance. There's nothing you can do. What we try to do is we try to catch that ripple. We try to move and try to catch that ripple. All we do is create another ripple. That other ripple is moving away. We can never catch up to it. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And know that everything that you do, that you have absolute control, absolute power of everything that you do. But everything that you have control over is what's happening right now. And what you do right now controls everything. It controls everything. It's kind of like if you think about a play um, or a movie or scenes in a movie, say the act of a play. You know, we, we watch the first act of a play. Okay, We understand that. Then the second act of the play happens. And we say, okay, well, the second act of the play was kind of based off of the first act, and there's a continuation in time. There's a continuation of the story. Then the third act. But the fact of the matter is, is that the, the first act may happen, the second act may happen. Now, the third act isn't necessarily a consequence. It can be a consequence of the first and second acts, an accumulation of the first and second acts. But in, in actuality, the third act, whatever happens in the third act, changes everything that happened in the second and the first act before it.
So you have the power to change and control everything that you do simply by what you do right now. I mean, this idea of kind of being in the moment is not really a, a new idea. Um, whether it's the power of now Buddhist principles or Hindu principles or before Buddhism and, and, and Hinduism, it was something else before that. Um, but the idea of kind of living in the moment, and, and this really applies to all aspects of, or, or many aspects of our life. Like I won't say all aspects of our life. I'll say many aspects of our life because we do have to, there's certain things that we kind of do have to plan for. You have to plan for changes in the season as a society or changes in resources. As far as your interactions with people, what you're saying makes sense. It's kind of let, letting go of these anxieties, these issues. One of the best descriptions I've heard of this, like in a practical way, uh, of kind of using this idea is this guy on the podcast a while back said, just don't be inhibited. He has like a very simple explanation. And because I asked him, I was like, what do you do? How do you keep your conversations going? Because they, they kind of last, seem like they last forever. And do you have a strategy? He goes, yeah, I just, I'm not inhibited. And, and so I, then I asked him, I said, well, what do you do when you say something stupid? And he says, I don't worry about it. You can't because there's nothing you can do about it. It's like you, you, you said it. What are you going to do? Go back go to go to try to chase that thing that you said that was dumb? There's nothing you can do. Keep moving forward. That's the only thing you can do. So let's say somebody's kind of in the interaction, in the conversation. They're talking to somebody. Let's say that somebody is in the flow. What do they do next? Because we've, we've talked about kind of being in the moment, uh, like living in the moment, being in the moment, being aware, being aware of yourself, being aware of the other person, being aware of your environment, right? Um, and, and kind of doing it without an, an outcome or predetermined expectation. But at the same time, there are things that the person probably wants or goals that they have. So how, how do they pursue the things? Like, for example, if a guy is attracted to a woman and wants her phone number, wants to go on a date, wants to be intimate with her, how does he pursue this without, like, how does he kind of use this flow to pursue the things that he wants without kind of flowing into uh, the friend zone? <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's interesting. That's great. I'm glad you transitioned to this because this is, uh, I guess it's a natural transition. It's the, it's the thing that's holding us back, whether it's this um, not landing up in the friend zone, you want to be intimate with somebody. Um, you, um, like the other guy in the podcast had said, um, you're not inhibited. The reason we're inhibited, the reason we end up in the friend zone, the reason that we don't know how to express our attraction to somebody is because we're afraid of expressing ourselves. It's all, it's all, it's a fear-based thing. But it sounds much, much, it sounds very easy, and we can get into the details of this. But basically, at least the first thing is that we have to do is locate the fear, locate the fact. What, what is it that's holding us back? Why are we afraid of saying the things that we're saying? The reason you're stuck in the friend zone isn't because, um, you know, you're the type of guy who gets stuck in the friend zone. I'm just a friendly guy. The girl that I talk to um, isn't interested in, in guys like me, so she put me in the friend zone. That didn't happen. Nobody put you in the friend zone. Just like thinking that somebody else puts you in the friend zone is kind of like, it's the same as being, is, feeling like you're a victim to the past, right? You're, you're, you're being pushed around by the past. You're being pushed around by the movement of time and you have no control over it. Or you're being pushed around by um, how, the way that other people are and you have no control over, over the movement of, of the direction of other people. That's not true at all because the, what you've done with the friend zone situations, you've put yourself there. You're afraid to express yourself. You're afraid to say that you were attracted to this woman, to this girl. And um, you've let that sit and you've let that fester. At no point in time, in any time you've ever hung out with this girl, whether you've got coffee or whatever with her, did you ever express that you were into, that you were into her? You never said that you thought she was hot. You never said you wanted to, this was a date. You never said, I want to get, you know, I want to get down and dirty with you. You never said, I want to be your girl. You, know, you never said, I wanted to be your boyfriend. Anything like that. You never said, I think you're really hot. You never said that. Because you never said that, you never, she doesn't know where she's at with you. So what is she left to do? She's got other guys that are interested in her. She's going to go out with the other guys. And she, without you saying anything, 
She's going to think that, okay, he just wants to be my friend. Simple. Very, very simple. So locate this fact. Firstly, if this is happening to you, admit um, that you're afraid of expressing your feelings for somebody. Admit that you're afraid of going in for a kiss. Admit, admit that you're afraid of telling her that you think she's attractive. All those things. Just admit it. That's the very first step. Because if we don't admit that, we're going to be stuck in a constant state of denial. Everybody else is doing something to us. These girls are putting us in the friend zone. I don't know what to do. I'm not the type of guy who attracts women. That's bullshit. You are. You're just not letting yourself be that guy. Um, or I'm, you know, I, I can't say certain things to a woman because it's going to piss her off. That's not true. If it pisses off a certain girl, if you feel a certain way about somebody, you think she looks hot in that dress, if you like the way that her ass shakes while you're walking down the street with her, tell her that. It's the only thing you can do. The reason you're not doing it is because of this inhibition, because you're afraid of doing it. Just say it and see what, see what happens. If she gets offended by it, well then uh, she's not attracted to you. And then there you go. You find somebody who's attracted to her, who would be, who would be open to it. But I'll tell you that if you're going out with a girl, um, if you consider it a date, and maybe she probably considers it a date as well. Um, and if she doesn't, make sure that you make that clear right from the very beginning, that you want to go out with her, you want to take her out. Not like, hey, let's hang out and uh, talk, talk about Russian literature. <laughs> or whatever. Um, you can talk about all that stuff, but make sure that it's very clear that you're interested in her. Because I tell you, man, I have plenty of uh, girlfriends. I have plenty of friends who are girls who sit around and ask me about um, what does this mean that he said this? Is he attracted to me? I wonder if um, this is a date or not. Make it clear. It's not that hard. You just have to make it clear. It takes practice. I mean, um, with time, you're just going to start doing it. You're going to start. You're going to start saying things. But if you have a sexual feeling. In any, in any moment, in the moment, say that. Say it. Say something like it. Tell her you think she looks, she looks hot. Tell her you love her smile. Tell her you think she looks beautiful. Tell her you think, you know, if you're walking home, tell her you think, tell her you want to kiss her. You know, tell her you, you, you had a great time tonight. I'd love to see you again. I'm going to have amazing dreams about you tonight. Whatever it is that's on your mind, you have to start saying it. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that dreaded friend zone. You're never going to make any advances. I think this is great advice, especially about kind of being authentic, but a red flag I was kind of worrying about as I was listening to this is guys are going to go to work and they're going to start telling the girls that they work with that I like the way your ass shakes in that dress. Yeah, and yeah. Don't do, this at work. <laughs> yeah. Don't, do this at work. don't do this at work. Don't do this in a supermarket either. I mean, I have guys who, because I advocate um, if you don't like going to a bar, don't go to a bar, meet women in other places. Uh, go to supermarkets and meet people to connect with people. That's not the, that's not the time and the place to be sexual with somebody. Like people are going about their day like trying to shop, trying to buy like peanut butter and you're talking about the way that her ass moves. Like that's – forget it. And if you want to do that, you take her out on a date. You tell her that you want to go out with her and then you get into it. Actually, can you talk about that timing? Because there is – in my experience, there is kind of a specific timing where this is appropriate. For example, in most cases, telling a girl <laughs> while you're at work is probably bad time or use the example of the supermarket. How does somebody know when that that timing is so they can develop that intuition? Well, I think work is always tricky. Work you want to be careful with because um, now it doesn't matter if you're in a professional setting or if you work in a restaurant or something. A restaurant industry tends to be pretty incestuous. I've worked in it for a long time myself where people are kind of hooking up with each other left and right. Um, but at work is tricky. Um, I wouldn't date around and work. If you actually are attracted to somebody and you think this could go somewhere, go for it. But there are plenty of women, I tell you. There are plenty of women everywhere. If you want to have like a fling or a one-night stand, I would – that's up to you, but just know that it can be tricky. There's pol office politics and all that stuff. But the most important thing, if you want to take this off of, the, I mean, there's a certain, you're in a certain arena, you're in a professional arena, keep it that way. If you want to take somebody out, tell her you want to go out with her. Tell her, hey, I'd love to, you know, if you are engaged in a great conversation with somebody and it's a platonic conversation, say, God, I, you know, I, I love talking to you or whatever. I'd love to continue this conversation just one on one. How about, um, you and me go grab a glass of wine and grab 
uh, go have some dinner and continue this, continue this conversation and see where it goes somewhere else. I'd love to do that. Now that in itself is not being gross and come on-y, um, just being honest. Um, and, and that's really all you have to do. Like say what's on your mind. And when I say say what's on your mind, I don't mean you have to be outwardly sexual, super sexual right away. I think people have a tendency, men especially very holding back on their sexuality, holding back and expressing themselves sexually, have been doing it for so long that now they're finally learning how to do this. So listening to podcasts like this, um, other podcasts that, that you're doing, Chris, and they're saying, okay, now I need to learn how to be sexual. You have all these sexual pornographic thoughts going on through your mind, um, and you haven't released any of it. You're basically like a Coke can. You're like a Coke bottle that's been agitated and shaken up and shaken up and shaken up with every girl you know, every girl that you've talked to, you've never been able to express yourself sexually to, and now you finally want to vent. And uh, you know what happens when you open up an agitated Coke bottle? It all comes, it all comes flying out. So um, take it slow. Take it slow. I mean um, – when I say, you know, express yourself sexually, say what's on your mind right now. The first, of course, the first thought is like, I can't tell her that I want to do blah, 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 blah to her. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that come out with your sexual energy a little bit. I'm not saying release everything that's on your mind. But when you start doing that slowly and you start doing that with women that you're attracted to and you're going out and you're actually, you do this on the dates that you're on, it actually starts coming out a lot smoother. It starts coming out in ways that aren't as super intense and those, um, you know, those very, very naughty thoughts that you're having that you think you can't say and are probably uh, inappropriate. Start off, start off on a level one. Don't start off on the level 10, even though that's, you know, on the forefront of your mind. The reason it's on the forefront of your mind is because you haven't been doing, you're spent your entire life not doing it. And now you're like, you know, you're boiling, you're, you're like a thermometer that's about to explode. I, I think that's true. And not only is it true that the guys are having these thoughts, sometimes the women are having these thoughts. If you're a man out there, think about where are you at? Who is in the environment, right? Is Are, are you at work? Are you, um, is her boss around or are you at church or synagogue or mosque and her family is around? Are you somewhere else where she has a mentor around in a professional setting versus when you're in a bar and everybody's kind of hanging out, uh, everybody's kind of like loose or it's just you and her relax, having a good time drinking. There's other people in the environment who are hooking up. Think, think about what's appropriate in the environment. Uh, where you're at. So who are, who are you with? Where are you at? And and I agree with you. I usually call it kind of like the volcano syndrome. Is, like there's, there's build up, build up, build up, and then this explosion. Um, but it's it's the exact same concept. And it's that you get a lot of guys out here. And actually, I, I got into a little bit of a debate with somebody in a recent podcast. And, and when people come on the show, like I want to be respectful and I want to, but I also want to get the best ideas. And there's a point where he kept talking about being forward, being forward, being forward, being forward. And finally, I just had to say something. I'll say, you, uh, you know the truth that anyone I know who's really good is not direct all the time. They're not forward all the time. They Sometimes they're forward, um, but they tend to have this self-awareness when they know when to be forward, basically when to push forward, when to pull back, when to be sexual, not when not to be sexual. And they'll move in those directions. And sometimes they'll be forward but or be overtly sexual, but they have developed this instinct or this timing when they know exactly when to do it. And so kind of going back, I agree with you. I think it's most of the people who are listening to this are, are very inhibited. They don't know how to be sexually forward or they never have. I know I was in that situation. Years ago, I remember I, I really had this huge crush on this girl and I'd been dating her. I even had sex with her. And I went and talked to an older female friend and she told me, you should text her because uh, I didn't know what to say. I was trying to figure out how to get her attention. And at the time, this was way, way before I was ever a dating coach, just like a guy who's in love and felt lost. And this, this girl told me, you should text her uh, that you want to eat her pussy. And I was thinking, I, there's no way I could ever text a girl that, right? And she was right in the sense that, uh, 
that I'd already had sex with the girl. I'd already been sexually active with her. Like it would have been appropriate thing to say to a girl that I was sexually involved with, right? Something that I, like I, now I would tell my girlfriend or something I would, but at the time I just remember it was so foreign. And so I thought about that and it took me about six to nine months. I can't remember exactly. At some point I was dating another girl and I text, and I text her, like I'd been thinking about this, like on and off in the back of my mind for like six to nine months. And so I text this girl, like, I want to eat your pussy. And so she texts me back, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and, and the next time I saw her, she goes, I saw your text, were you drunk? And I said, no. And she goes, did you know what you sent me? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh. But it was so outside of my character at, at the time. Um, and so, like, I hadn't really developed that idea of knowing kind of when to go push forward, when to pull back. So I, I know guys who... I listen to this. So it is definitely is kind of a, a timing thing and something you'll develop uh, in time. Yes. Yeah, start, start off. That's hilarious. But that's really I, I, I get it. man. I, I totally, totally get it. You know, start off slow, man. Start off. Start off at a one. Even if what you're feeling is a 10. Start off by telling you think she's cute. Tell, tell her like you, you know, you uh, tell her that you like her smile. You know, tell her things that are like they're not super, super sexual. You know, she's like, I want to, you know, I know eat your pussy. Yeah, if if you're if you're starting off on this, and I know there's a lot of people starting off on this for sure, but I'm sure there's also a lot of people who aren't who are just very interested and are always interested in bettering themselves in this area. Um, start it off slow. Start, you know, you're you're walking up a flight of stairs. Um, you don't have to take a, you don't have to sprint and try to hit the highest step as possible from 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 the get go. Take one step at a time. Take one, to, you know, take one little step at a time. Once you once you've hit level one, then go a little bit to level two. Turn up the knobs, you know, turn up the volume slowly, slowly but surely. It's like when you're listening to music that, if you're playing music like in a restaurant or something, you're playing music at a party. You don't want to start it off with a, you know, you don't want to start off playing like, <laughs> Palms Over Baghdad. That's was a song that came out the other day. <laughs> you know, when I start off, you don't want to start off like blasting Bombs Over Baghdad at like level ten. But you want to start it off with some like start it off a little bit slower music, right? And start it, and turn up the volume a little bit, a little bit slowly, slowly, slowly. There's something to be said for sure for, uh, I mean, seduction and attraction is a slow, it's a slow and steady process. And trust me, it doesn't always happen that way. Even for me, um, I I rarely have one night stands. I mean, I may have a, I've, a, I've been in a relationship for a while, but I rarely have one night stands when I was single and. Um, I, I was a lot in the beginning, and that's great. If you want to have one night stands, go out and do all that stuff. But um, I tell you, your sex, the sex you're going to have, is going to be so much better when you take it slow. You take it step by step. You don't go for you know you don't go for the the punani on the first you know the first uh, first five seconds of meeting her. You don't have to do that. Take it slow, and it's going to be better. I take my word for it. The sex that you're going to have, if you want that, if you want to have great sex, is going to be better when you take it slow. Take it slow. When I go on dates, I, you know, the one night stands don't happen very often. But it's um, sometimes I don't even have a first kiss. I know I make it very known that that might happen, but I don't feel like it yet. Or maybe it'll be a quick little kiss, kiss on the lips, look her in the eyes a little bit, and say I had a great time tonight. I'll talk to you soon. I'll text you later. And then when you text her later that night, turn up the spice a little bit. You know, tell her God, I've been thinking about you. My my whole walk home, my whole drive home, I couldn't stop thinking about that kiss that I gave you, right? And, and can't I can't wait to do it again next time. Do it like that. You see, it, it's uh, you don't have to go in for the massive makeout dry hump um, into her bedroom right away. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice. The way that I've kind of approached this, and it's been really helpful, um, and now I teach to approach it, is think about, be honest with yourself about what you want. Then think about where you're at. And you have to be honest about where you're at as well. And once you know what you want, you're honest with yourself about what you want, and you know where you're at, then move in that direction incrementally. 
So important. Yes. Yeah, that, that probably like for example, if you're touching, you want you want to have sex with a girl, you you don't just walk up. But the the reality is you might be thinking that, she might even thinking be thinking that, but there's a lot of kind of other emotional things that kind of come into play, anxieties. You have to deal with your anxieties, her own anxieties, how comfortable is she, how attracted is she. Um, there's like all these kind of different variables that could potentially come up. But even like, for example, something like touch or um, being physically intimate, you may want to have sex. You may want to have sex, but you start by touching her hand, seeing how she responds, touching her hand for a little bit longer, seeing how she responds, moving into a personal space, maybe touch her shoulder or um, touch her hair, pull something out of her hair, assuming that there is something in her hair. <laughs> like I'm not telling you to fabricate, <laughs> uh, fabricate the touching of the hair. But yeah, the basically... Like you, you move incrementally and for longer, you touch for each time for longer periods of time and you judge based on how she's, how she's reacting. Uh, is she being, giving you positive feedback or, uh, she's smiling, she's laughing, she's touching you back or she giving negative feedback. She's pulling, pulling back. She's tensing up her shoulders, her neck, her breathing patterns change in a way that like isn't conducive to like her being relaxed. So yeah, I think this is really, really good advice. I, I only want to mention it because maybe it gives somebody, some of the people listening a little, more specific strategy to implement what you're talking about. Yeah, that's very important. And before, you know, before any of that, it's exactly like you said, before any of that, be honest with yourself about what it is that you want. Sometimes you don't know what you want and that's perfectly fine. If you don't know what you want, that's okay. If, if what you want changes tomorrow, it's okay. Do figure out what you want today and let yourself change that if you want to tomorrow or next week or next month or whatever next year. Like if you want, if what you want right now is um, to go out and hook up or uh, go ahead and Go after that. If you want, what you want right now is to get some phone numbers and go out on a bunch of dates. Do that. If what you want is um, is to find like a real connection, like a real partner, somebody to have you know by your side, then um, be clear that that's what you want. And if that is what you want, any one of those things, then go like exactly what you said, Chris. Move in the direction of towards towards that. Yeah, if you are looking for a girlfriend, if you're looking out to like build up a true connection, you don't, you know, you don't want to be going to the clubs and grinding on chicks. That's not going to, you can do that and you may get lucky, but that's not exactly the greatest strategy in the world for that. You know, and if what you want is that hookup, then yeah, go out, go after it, man, go to the clubs because that's where you're going to get the one night stands. You're not going to get the one night stands from, you know, walking around uh, the farmer's market. So. <laughs> the other problem is like, you, you use a bunch of examples of the beginning. Like if you're, Getting the one night stands in your yoga class, you're getting one night stands at work, you're getting one night stands at church, synagogue, or temple, or whatever. Your your nonprofit work, <laughs> you can't do it very long <laughs> before you start getting kind of negative pressure. Exactly what you're saying. If you're talking, if you're meeting people at at church or synagogue or at work or at work or in yoga class, it's like that is not the. Take it slow. Take it slow in those situations. There's no need to. I think so much of the advice that's out there these days is, is so focused on physical seduction, um, and because that's all the advice that you're getting, you take that into like into your church, or you take that into yoga class. That's disgusting. Stop doing that. Do that in the bar when everybody's drunk. You know, you don't change your strategy a little bit. And that's the thing is, there's not a lot of advice out there for people who are um, um, going to the stores and wanting to meet people, or going about their everyday chores and wanting to meet people in line at the bank or whatever. It's always, um, you know, it's always the how do I get from, you know, the, the fastest seduction possible, which is which is which is not. I mean, that's a very, very narrow bandwidth of where it is that we meet women, social situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important message. And and I have a lot of kind of experience with with both. And it, like it was never really my my goal. But what happens is you start becoming more socially in tune and and uh, or in my case, I started becoming more socially in tune. And then suddenly I'm around this girl and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, wait, I'm attracted to her. And then she's touching me. Now she's responding. And next thing you know, we're like knocking boots. But the, the problem, um, the problem with the strategy is it's like I, I one of the examples I use is duck hunting. 
Like uh, you can go, I can go out to the bar on any night and take somebody home, but I just don't know who or what I'm going to take home. <laughs> and so <laughs> I learned this. Yeah. It's been a long time since I kind of was that crazy. And but the reality is, like, I didn't know who I was getting. And and when you're starting out on this, like I, I have a guy who is kind of earlier in his development. He says, you know, I just kind of want to go out and meet women and like, and, and kind of experience what women, different women are like and, and get some sexual experiences. Is that bad? And I said, no, you're like doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're going to get started. You're developing, you're developing, you're, you're trying to figure out what you want and there's no way to know what you want until you go out and get some experiences. And uh, so I think that is really important. But what you're talking about, this idea or one of the messages you've had throughout this interview that um, that you don't have to really follow one, be in the moment. And two, you don't really have to follow this kind of traditional path. So it's a, it, begin to question kind of what you're doing just because everybody else is going to the bars doesn't mean that you should be going to the bars um, just because everybody else is saying like you should have one night stands uh, and you need to escalate physically as fast as possible doesn't mean that, that that's what you should be doing. You need to kind of listen, listen to yourself. What is it that you want, at least at this stage in your life and, and not be inhibited to go after it? Yeah, you, absolutely. I mean, you, you, it's, it's about, it's, it's honesty in two ways, right? It's honesty with what you want. And that's, that's the first step. Um, go out and be the lone wolf. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Um, and that in itself, I think is a very, is a very attractive trait to have, if you can even call it a trait, or maybe just a, the way that you live your life, especially in this world that we're in. There's so much emphasis put on um, how to be the top top dog, how to be the leader of the pack, how to be the um, the, the alpha male, right? Instead of the, the the beta male or whatever. You don't have to be the alpha male, because the alpha male is trying to be the alpha male because he wants to be on top of everybody else so he can prove himself to other men and other women. Um, same deal with, if you want to go out and get laid, go out and get laid. Ask yourself at some point why you're doing it, because at some point, the realization is going to hit you that, oh, shit, I was doing all this for validation all along because my to get you know my friends to respect me because my dad didn't love me enough, whatever. Um, whatever it is that you're trying to get, um, you may get that eventually, but you're going to realize that what you're doing it for is for other people. And it's fine to do that. Once you hit the realization that you were doing it for other people now, now here you are, realize that what, it is, what, is, what is it, or ask yourself, what is it that you want to do for yourself, not for everybody else? And you leave all that alpha male shit behind you. You start going towards... Be the guy who you want to be. Forget about trying to be on top of everybody else. Forget about trying to follow the pack but be in front of the pack. Do your own thing, man. Stand on that, stand on that cliff and be the lone wolf, you know? Yeah, I think it's a great message. I mean, we it's funny because in our classes, we'll talk about what it means to be kind of alpha. And a lot of people, especially men, I feel like have a, a misunderstanding of what that means. And all it means is to be the leader. And it doesn't mean, and nobody is the leader. And one of the messages we talk about is nobody is the leader in every situation, but in your relationships, especially as a man, you have to have the ability to lead her. So she's not expecting you to be the king of the world, <laughs> but, but she, she's expecting you to kind of take the initiative and lead because honestly, most women are scared. Like they're nervous. They're, they're anxious. Totally, just like most men, just like most guys, we're all we're, we're all scared, man. We're all out, we're all shot out into the universe. It's cold and it's dark, and we have no idea where we are. We're out there, man, and all that she wants, you know, at the end of the day, really, all that she wants, she's floating out there just like you are. She's shot out into space like a shooting star, and all she wants is for somebody to reach out and tell her it's going to be okay. Um, be that guy. Right, we're about over on time. Are any last kind of tips, suggestions, ideas, uh, words of wisdom for the people who are listening to this? You know, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Um, this is you know, my favorite 
subject to talk about, and especially um, the idea of being a leader. You know, be a leader in your life. Be a leader of yourself first. That's the most important thing before you go out and lead other people, before you go out and lead women. Lead yourself because if you're not doing that, you're, you have no direction. Where are you going? You're trying to be a leader for other people, and you can't be a leader for other people. You can't be a leader just to lead other people. Uh, it doesn't work that way. This has been absolutely awesome, Shogo. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Shogo uh, and the things that he does, his coaching, his different programs, uh, his videos, I'm going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Thank you again. Great. Thanks. Thanks for the conversation, Chris. I had a great time. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, Go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.